The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us once again here on Winning Ponies. I hope everybody had a good holiday weekend, uh, enjoyed uh, time with family, uh, plenty of high caloric uh, uh, food, perhaps some adult beverages, and uh, plenty of football and plenty of racing. Hope you came home with a slew of winners. Well, once again, we've got a first-time starter and a veteran on the show with us tonight. The first-time starter is a gentleman by the name of Barry Pearl. Now, Barry was the founder of an event called Jockeys and Jeans. It goes back to 2014, was eventually appointed president of that organization. And in just four years, Jockeys and Jeans has gone from just a fledgling event to one of the most prestigious charity events in racing. They have now raised over $730,000 mark, and it looks like he's going to hit a million by June. So uh, there's going to be an event coming up this uh, weekend uh, that he's going to tell us about down in the Lexington area at the Fazig Tipton Arena. So uh, we'll let uh, Barry tell us about that. Of course, it's a it's a stallion season sale, but there'll be plenty of other things up for grabs. He's done a great job, and uh, like yours truly, he started out as a track photographer at Penn National. Our second guest, well, the big race in this weekend is in the Big Apple, highlighted by the Cigar Mile Handicap, grade one, $750,000, and uh, our guest handicapper will be none other than the Daily Racing Forms, Matt Bernier. So we're going to look at the Cigar Mile, uh, then we're going to look at a race that's launched the careers of uh, many, many top horses over the years, including a couple Kentucky Derby winners, and that is the mile and an eighth Remsen for two-year-olds. So we're going to see what two-year-olds like to stretch out. Then also at Aqueduct, it is the stretching out at a mile and an eighth, the Demoiselle, which is the ladies' version. And uh, if time allows, we're going to get to go to the Go for one, that's a grade three, $200,000. Again, Matt Bernier with the Daily Racing Form is going to be with us. Um, mentioned a track photographer at the top of the show, and uh, I have to uh, tell you, it was with a, a very sad week for yours truly. And uh, we lost a great guy in racing, and that is none other than Patrick Lang, who was the photographer at uh, for eight years at Keeneland, for many, many years at Turfway Park and River Downs. I believe he was actually shooting at Latonia before it became Turfway Park. One of the greatest guys ever. You know, the thing about this racing game that you hear from so many people, is that they enjoy the camaraderie of the characters that are at the track. Well, uh, Pat wasn't much of a character, but he certainly entertained a whole lot of them. 
his office was uh, kind of looked like the uh, film set of a Fellini film with the different people that would come in there. Uh, you'd have a Hall of Fame trainer. You'd have a down and out groom. Uh, you'd have uh, you know a, a shouting at the television gambler. Uh, just all kinds of people. It was just a constant motion. People coming in and out to get their photos and Pat, of course engaging them uh, so well, uh, welcoming everybody. didn't matter if you were rich or poor. Patrick Lang uh, treated you all the same uh, with respect. Uh, he was just one of the greatest guys in the game. I mean, the, there was no one that ever met him that didn't like him. He didn't have an enemy in the world. Had a very interesting past in television and radio in New Mexico, and uh, then ditched it to become a track photographer alongside him over the years was his daughter Emily for quite a while and uh, his son Graham uh, helped uh, on the editing side of it Emily was more of a photographer but uh, if you know Pat Lang or ever met Pat Lang you know what I'm talking about he's a a great loss to, to the world of racing and uh, someone that we hope will not be lost to the world of racing but I'm going to ask you to whoever your God is whatever your beliefs are to say a few prayers for our good friend Ed Meyer Ed's going through a tough patch in his life right now Uh, he's going to require some uh, important medical attention in the weeks ahead I really don't want to go into detail uh, but it never hurts to uh, ask you to reach out and send some positive vibes the way of Ed Meyer who's probably been the most visited guest on Winning Ponies and of course Ed was the guy that uh, suggested I take over when he no longer could do the job because of another racing job he had that conflicted with it so uh, we're going to miss Pat Lang and we're going to Pray that Ed Meyer is back on these airwaves sooner than later. Okay, well, like I said, it was an interesting week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get through all the race results. There were so many of them. You know, you got the fairgrounds opening, uh, Churchill Downs closing, uh, Aqueduct kicking it up, uh, a lot of racing out on the West Coast. Uh, I'll I'll get to some of the top races as I can. But uh, on on these uh, days where you're going all over the map, the main thing you want to do is come to winningponies.com and pull down the easy win forms. Uh, Of course, as you know, we cover it from uh, coast to coast, but we did have a nice closeout to Churchill Downs. Uh, I had a $1 super that paid $4,130. Just shy of that, two days before, was a $1 super key that paid $3,934. And on the same day, a 50-cent pick five that paid $3,707. You get the idea. Easy win forms can make it easy for you to put some greens in your jeans. Well, let's take a look at some of the news of the week. Um, The Churchill Downs uh, wrap-up. Some uh, familiar faces took home champion honors. Uh, Corey Lannery, uh, who's just done unbelievable job at Churchill Downs. He just seems to click. Uh, he was uh, pulled down another victory. Of course, he's one of those famous uh, Cajun riders originally, and uh, he was easily uh, the leading rider there. And uh, it was his 15th in the last 17 meets at Churchill Downs. So uh, Landry pulled into a tie with Hall of Fame jockey and derby winner Don Brumfield for total victories 
at Churchill Downs. Um, so he trails only uh, Hall of Famers Pat Day and Calvin Borrell, and third place Robbie Alvarado on the all-time win under the Twin Spires. Uh, it was uh, a close one at the end. All-time leading trainer, Louisville native, was Brad Cox edged Hall of Famer Steve Asmussen. So, uh, the, of course, the uh, the trainer that I talked about going to leave was the one we talked to two weeks ago, and that was uh, Dale Romans, who became the leading trainer. But the leading trainer of the meet was Brad Cox, who just edged Steve Asmussen. And uh, drum roll, please, owners of the meet, Ken and Sarah Ramsey extending their 30th title as leading owners of Churchill Downs. Well, some other milestones down there. Our friend Brian Hernandez Jr. became the 14th jockey to win at least 500 races at Churchill Downs. I wanted to uh, uh, congratulate Brian. He's such a class act. Now, one of the highlights of the meet comes at the end and we know the derby comes at the beginning of the year but uh, seeking the soul put in a huge effort uh, to rally in the clark victory uh was off the pace for most of it and johnny v celebrating his 46th birthday gave himself a nice present stayed patient and all of a sudden found room came out a little bit in the stretch there was a three horse inquiry but nonetheless it remained seeking the soul who's trained by dallas stewart uh got the job done perfect soul stands at darby dan farm um and so uh it was a very, very impressive victory. And, of course, Johnny V traveling all the way to Churchill. That was kind of a tip of it. And uh, congratulations to Dale Stewart. He did a great job. And uh, for those who uh, like to bet on the speed of his steed, it's not that often that you see Johnny V pay 1780 So it looks like now that uh, he may well be pointing towards uh, the Pegasus World Cup. On January 27th, 16 million up for grabs. He was that impressive. All right, uh, Jackie, this has got a great story. We got to get him on the show. Is Tracy A. Bear, uh, as you know, that he only has sight in one eye. He reached a milestone of 4,000 thoroughbred wins in North America last Tuesday at Zia Park. He uh, won last year's Zia title in a tie with George Carraro. So, uh, congratulations to Tracy. You got to get him on. He's had a very, very Interesting life, another one of those uh, uh, Cajun riders uh, that came out of uh, Erath, Louisiana, and uh, there's uh, quite a few uh, good jacks that, that came that way, uh, ones that, uh, that that you will uh, certainly know, and uh, we want to, want to get the, uh, the story on him starting out down there in Cajun country. Hall of Famer Alex Solis has retired. From riding, uh, he was still going through physical therapy, recovering from a hip surgery in August. And he said, you know, the surgery went fine. He thought about it. Been out six, seven months. I'm just kind of losing the passion. So uh, with 5,035 victories in North America, he started back in 1981. He won 84 grade one races and piloted champion Snow Chief, Bertrando, and Raya Fan. So uh, 
best of luck. I'm sure he's going to uh, end up on his feet. He's made a lot of uh, friends over the years. He's a, a, a very sharp guy. Uh, so he uh, says he's probably going to stay in the racing game. He just won't be riding in the afternoons. Somebody else that won't be riding in the afternoons for a while is Jackie Frankie Pennington. Uh, clipped heels in the Kentucky Jockey Club and went down. Uh, he did have some surgery in Louisville. I understand he's on the mend, uh, but uh, we're not really sure when he's going to come back. He started riding back in 2003. He's got over 2,100 wins from 12,000 starters, and uh, we wish him uh, nothing but the best for a quick recovery. Okay, let's get through some more news here, John. A point given has been pensioned to Kentucky Horse Park. So if you want to go down and take a picture of a champion, point given uh, is no longer standing stud at Calumet Farm. He will be at the Kentucky Horse Park. You may know he was known as the Big Red Train. He was humongous. 17.1 hands. He earned over $3.9 million. So point given, available to the public down at the horse park. Somebody you won't get to see for a while is the champion sprinter DeFrong. Uh, he was sold to Shadai Stallion Station in Hokkaido in Japan. So you may recall that back in 2016, he went undefeated in four starts, took the uh, King's Bishop, the Twin Spires Breeders' Cup Sprint, and was named champion sprinter, retires with $1,538,000. All right, try to get to uh, to some of the race results here. Let's see if I can just move this over a little bit. And uh, only got about a minute left. Let's see what we'll hit. Well, some of the races at Churchill are fun to watch. Enticed. Uh, won the Kentucky Jockey Club, so uh, Macy enticed back there. Uh, $200,000 was on the line. He broke from post six in a 16-horse field and got the job done under Junior Alvarado. Uh, so he paid 880 480 and 380 across the board. Okay, it was Road to victory and a determined race in the Goldenrod. Hope you got a chance to see this. If not, go back and see it. Uh, favorite uh, Monomy girl uh, took the, the lead from the start. It looked like a cold winner at the 16th pole. Uh, but uh, Road to Victory, a daughter of Quality Road, would just not stop. And she dug in and dug in, even though it looked like Monomy girl was going to get the job done. Uh, it, it was Road to Victory who, who got her just in the last jump. Very game effort for someone that's only a two-year-old filly and now has a win over the Churchill Down Strip. Uh, Motown stormed home late to take the Hollywood Derby. That's a fun one to watch. As you know, you can get all of these uh, online because there's so many races that were happening. People were busy with the holidays. They probably missed quite a few of them. Uh, and then uh, Off Limits went last to first in, in the Monarch. And uh, the, uh, the racing was just uh, fast and furious I, the matriarch, I'm sorry, I said monarch. Uh, off limits was last to first in the matriarch. So anyhow, that's a look at the the races. My producer Matt Burt, uh, Matt Widener is telling me that I need to uh, move along because we got to go to the commercial section. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to. 
Jackie's and Jeans founder, Barry Pearl, and see what's going to be happening down in Lexington on Friday. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Barry Pearl. Very interesting background. As I told you, he heads up the uh, fantastic effort, Jockeys and Jeans, but we're going to save that for a little bit. Uh, I always see my good friend Keru Tushia is always sending me stuff saying, check out this Barry Pearl post. Check out this Barry Pearl post. So I did. He's an interesting guy. He's uh, got his eyes open, and he likes to share things uh, with with, with the uh, Facebook world. Um, But uh, we shared one job title, but that was well after uh, he uh, started out as a, a jockey. It was one of the leading riders uh, in the New Jersey circuit, um, starting out in 1965. Uh, then uh, he uh, had success down in Florida, but he rode mostly in New Jersey, Florida, Philly, little few stops in Chicago, Maryland, and Kentucky. Uh, rode for nine years and uh, then joined my first job at the racetrack. That is a track photographer. So, Enough about the bio. We're going to get plenty of that because I want to get it from Barry Pearl. Barry, how you doing? Good, John. Uh, very well, thank you. I've been uh, I've been busier than busy, but you know, at, at my age, at an old guy, that's what I like to be. It keeps me hopping. Absolutely, we're on the right side of the grass. Hey, let's rewind now back to 1965. Um, what were you? Were you from a racing family? What got you into race riding? No, I, I actually, I, I wasn't from a racing family, but I lived uh, back in those days uh, right next to Hialeah Racetrack. 
And uh, this is absolutely a true story. Uh, you may <laughs> you may sound like it's uh, it's a uh, fantasy, but I used to walk by the uh, stable gate every morning on my way to school, and I used to see these little guys in big Cadillacs with blondes. And I said to myself, <laughs> you know, that's the job that I want. Whatever that guy's doing, I want to do that. And so uh, that was I was about 15 years old. I snuck into the backside of Hialeah and uh, watching these guys walking horses. And I said, well, heck, I can do that. And I walked up to this guy, and uh, he was standing. He looked like he was in charge. And I said, I can do that. I can, I can walk one of those horses. And, and, and uh, you know, after uh, all these years, that's, uh, that's how I started in the game. Well, uh Obviously, there's more to it than just walking a horse in a circle. Uh, when did you start getting a leg up on him? Obviously, you were the right size. Well, I, I was I was small. I've always been, uh, you know, uh, fairly small, uh, fairly muscular. And uh, I uh, started riding. Uh, I rode my first race in 1964 uh, in New Jersey. I broke my maiden in New Jersey in 1965. And uh, as I as I said, I rode for nine years. I uh, had a lot of success. I was very fortunate. I rode for some great guys. I rode for George Handy. I rode for Donnie uh, Donnie Combs, uh, Joe Pierce. Uh, I mean, just a lot of great great people who uh, always gave me an opportunity. And uh, you know, uh, I, I'm an opportunist, and I look at things and I look at life in uh, reality. And uh, when I, I was married, we had a couple small children, and uh, some opportunities came up for me in other areas, and, uh, you know, I decided to go that way. Well, okay, well, let's segue into your career. As I stated earlier, it was my first job on the racetrack, and that was as a track photographer. I mean, you don't normally just walk in the office and say, I want to <laughs> do this. Did you start working under somebody, or was it a passion of yours? Yeah. Had you studied it? Well, I was riding and I was doing photography, and uh, I was fortunate. You know, uh, you know, being a, a, a fairly successful rider, I had a lot of uh, friends in the business and in uh, in the uh, media. And uh, so, when I was doing photography, and if I submitted things, uh, you know, more than likely it would get uh, printed. And uh, a very old and dear friend of mine, Barkley Odell, who is the uh, general manager at Pimlico. Uh, he became the general manager at Penn National back in 1972. And uh, I called him. I said, Barkley, I said, uh, this place is opening for 60 days. I'd really like to uh, talk to you about uh, the photography concession. He said, sure. And so I came up. I talked to him and John Shoemaker, who was the president. And uh, they offered me the uh, concession. And uh what happened was I was uh, I went I took my tack to uh, Pennsylvania to Liberty uh, to Penn National. I was greatly successful there. I was riding like crazy, and uh, after the meet was over, went to Florida. John Shoemaker called me up and he was down. He said, "I want to meet with you," and he said, "We just got uh, we just got year round racing. What do you want to do?" <laughs> so. Decisions had to be made uh, on what my uh, what I was going to do for the next uh, ten twenty years of my life, and uh, you know I, I took the uh, sure thing instead of the uh, you know rolling the dice. In other words, you ended your career as a track photographer. 
Yeah, I, I had an interesting conversation with a couple of trainers that I wrote for uh, for a lot. I, I, I invited them out for dinner, my wife and I, and uh, we went to dinner and uh, at a very nice restaurant. And uh, I said, gentlemen, uh, January 1, I'm done. And they looked at me like I was out of my mind. And they said to my wife, D, you, know, you better talk to this guy. <laughs> Something's wrong with him. And... Uh, that was it. Uh, I made my mind up, and uh, after nine years, I, I hung it up. Well, uh, obviously, with your experience uh, in the saddle and around the track, uh, no, nobody's more qualified to know uh, uh, the ups and downs and the things that can happen in the life of a jockey. And you've kind of, uh, shall I say, grabbed the reins and uh, have really ridden uh, jockeys and jeans into a fantastic, successful <laughs> fundraiser. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it, what was interesting about that is uh, for after all those years of me riding and then after all the years of me being away from racing, I only had two really, really tight friends that I kept in touch with. Uh, and one was Arnold Lescue up in Philadelphia. We've been friends for 40 years, and the other was Walter Blum. And uh, four and a half years ago, Daryl uh, Brown, Eddie Donnelly, uh, they called me said, we want to have a old-timers reunion over in Tampa. I live in uh, North Palm Beach, uh, Florida, and uh, we'd like you to come and join us. And so I, I said, okay, yeah, that'd be great. I'd like to see some of my old friends, Mike Maganello and, and some other, Pat Dane, what have you. And so uh, we were going to have an old-timers reunion over at Tampa, and Eddie calls me and says, listen, uh since we're going there, why don't we try to raise some money for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund? And I said, uh, you know, uh, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe we give something back. And uh, that was our first year. Within six weeks, we raised $23,000. As of uh, the end of parks, we raised 730000 Wow. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. th- th- there's an event coming up. Uh, in Lexington, Kentucky uh, this week. I want to tell everybody that the weather has been fantastic in that part of the country. Uh, uh, on uh, Friday, it, uh, it could be in the mid-50s, so it's going to be a beautiful day, but I'm going to let you tell people about uh, what's going to be going on at Phasic Tipton. Well, we're very proud of this. Uh, you know, uh, the Reverend Eddie Donnelly a couple of years ago came to us and said, uh, I figured out a way where how we could, uh, you know, really make a lot more money for the permanently disabled jockeys fund and, and it's a uh, stallion season sale. And so he hooked us up with uh, Fazzy Tipton, uh, uh, Terrence Collier, who has just, uh, just been absolutely wonderful. And, uh, what has happened is we've had two stallion season sales over the last two years. Uh, they were both at Gulfstream. Very appreciative of Gulfstream's uh, participation in it. But it gets a little hectic at a racetrack in the middle of a lot of different things. So Fazzy offered us this year to come to Keeneland. I mean, um, pardon me, although I love Keeneland, to come to Lexington uh, to have the stallion season here, uh, the sale here. And so we took, a, we took them up on it, and on Friday, uh, December 1st at 6 p.m. at the Fazzy Tipton World Headquarters, we will have our Jockeys and Jeans uh, Stallion Season Sale, uh, and we have some wonderful, uh, wonderful stallions 
that will be going up for sale at this event. Now, you'll have uh, other items and things going on at this event? Well, we got some unbelievable items. Uh, one of our uh, one of our committee members, Kenny Katz from New York, who is also an owner, by the way. Uh, Kenny has uh, donated and has come on to our committee as the, our auction uh, chairperson. Uh, we have a uh, the Hall of Fame uh, poster which has been signed by, I think it's 57 Hall of Famers. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. We also have the Kentucky Derby poster, 16 by 20 frame, which has been signed by every Kentucky Derby winner in modern times except for seven or eight. I mean, it's just craziness. And we have a Bob Baffert uh, uh, poster uh, that has been signed by him and D. Wayne Lucas. A uh, Songbird poster that's been uh, signed by Mike and uh, 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 trainer, Mr. Hoffendorfer. And uh, we have a Penny Tweedy original signed print. It's pretty cool. Unbelievable. Very cool. And I'm sure there's other things. That, uh, Barry, my uh, producer's telling me I've got a minute to close out. So, if you will, in your very succinctly uh, and determined way for my listeners out there, grab a pen and paper, particularly if you're anywhere near the central Kentucky area. Tell people where they go, how, the, how they get there, and what's going to go on. Okay. If you would like to come to the Jockeys and Jeans Experience, that's what we call it, at, uh, at the uh, Fazzy Tipton, just contact me, Barry Pearl, at this email, jockeysandjeans at gmail.com, and we'll put you on the guest list since we're on this radio show and these are your people. They will be my special guests to this event. Wow, thank you very much. And again, Aphasic Tipton, it's, it's right off uh, the, the highway there in Lexington, very easy to get to. Um, and I do believe I know the room that this is going to take place in. It's a great place. And uh, there'll probably Beautiful. be uh, adult beverages and a few celebrities in the crowd. We will ha- uh, listen to this crew that we're going to have. We have uh, Pat Day, Chris McCarron, Sandy Hawley. Uh, we have our fallen riders. We have Jamie LaRocca, Roger Le- uh, 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 Blanco, who came up from Florida. And we have, uh, you know, some surprises. Uh, folks that will be there that uh, is going to be a big deal. So it's going to be a, a wonderful night, a beautiful night. And uh, we're going to raise a lot of money for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, which is our passion. All right. Well, Barry Pearl, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, And uh, I want to thank you so much for inviting our listeners at Winning Ponies to be your guest. And and I'm sure that you're going to knock them out and it's going to be a fantastic time. Again, the weather's supposed to be super. So, uh, you know, hats off to you, Barry. You've done a great job over the years. And I'm sure the PDJF's very happy to have you on their team. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for uh, giving us an opportunity to let people know that uh, Jockeys and Jeans, we stand up for those folks who cannot stand by themselves. 
Wow, that's fantastic. We've been talking with Barry Pearl, who's put together the Jackies and Jeans uh, events across the country. And uh, this week, it's down in Lexington. Okay, well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. and we come back, hopefully, Matt Bernier and I are going to be able to break it down at Aqueduct, where all the good racing is going to be this weekend. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. I hope that uh, you go online almost on a daily basis and see him and Dan Illman, uh, you know, getting out some of the best races of the day. Uh, I'll say this, you know, some of these guys you meet in the business and uh, all of a sudden they kind of have a meteoric rise and uh, you get big time by him, but not Matt. You know, anytime I've called him, he's been right there. Sometimes I feel guilty that I call on him too much, but when there's a big weekend of racing on the East Coast and I know he's, you know, sleeping with the racing form under his pillow, I got to call out to him. Matt Bernier, how you doing? Doing very well, John. Thanks for uh, reaching out. It's always fun to touch base and hopefully pick a few winners here. Well, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but uh, you, you know you were an uh, integral part of the uh, of, of the Breeders' Cup. Uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that greatest day of racing? Uh, you know, I got to be honest. It's one of those things where it's unfortunate. The biggest weekend that we have, maybe with the exception of the Derby and the Kentucky Oaks, that you've had a racetrack that was so tilted one way or the other where it really felt like the horses that were toward the inside part of the racetrack on Friday and Saturday at Del Mar were way up against it. It felt like just 
for one reason or another, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, things seem to be okay. Friday and Saturday, inside was not where you wanted to be. In an ideal world, on a, a big day, a big weekend, you want to have as fair a racetrack as you're going to be able to find. Didn't feel like we had that uh, for the Breeders' Cup this year, but it's one of those things. I feel like if you are a diehard handicapper, you go through, you make note of that, and this is the kind of weekend that potentially you take that to your advantage and you say, you know what, some of these horses are coming back in major, major spots. Inside, that's where they were. Potentially outside is where they were. Either kind of upgrade them or downgrade them based on where they were on the racetrack. But at the end of the day, I guess the biggest takeaway from the Breeders' Cup weekend was the fact that Gunrunner made no bones about it. He's the best horse that we have in training, period, as far as North America is concerned. And the argument can be made as far as worldwide is concerned. He really, that it's beautiful to see that three-year-old to four-year-old maturation take place. And he is no better example. Steve Asmussen, fantastic job. Gunrunner is the best horse that we have in training, period. Absolutely. His win was a ting of beauty, as an Irish friend of mine would say. Uh, but, the, you know, w- without a doubt, it'll be interesting. I guess all eyes will be on the Pegasus. Uh, I'm sure after the performance in there, uh, any thoughts of uh, putting Arrogate in that race are gone to the side and he's gone to uh, to the breeding shed. But so anyhow, we, you know, we'll, we'll have the Pegasus to look at, uh, you know, uh, Boy, uh, Dallas Stewart uh, unleashed a big one uh, at uh, at Churchill Downs in the in the Clark Handicap, and uh, they're saying now that uh, seeking the soul was so impressive in the Clark that he may try to take on Gunrunner. You know, one of the most fascinating quotes that we heard just out of the Clark was that Dallas had talked about the notion that after that big giant score at Keeneland. He wanted to wheel this horse back in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but he thought once or twice or five or six times about it and said, you know what, better off giving a little bit of time. Let's point to the Clark. Uh, he, he has been a horse since day one that has shown talent. To me, it's always been a matter of was he, was he quite ready to go? Was he quite mentally mature enough? Did he need a little bit more seasoning? And I have to be honest with you, it felt like that that Keeneland race was really when the light bulb went on, that all of a sudden he realized what he was supposed to be doing. And even in that race, he was a little bit late with the lead change, and I don't want to get too far inside baseball, but it felt like he turned the (laughs) corner, that maybe he would be one, that all of a sudden it was ready to go. And you know what? He worked out a beautiful trip, John Velasquez, fantastic ride, and uh, he was able to outlast everyone in the Clark a few weeks ago. It, it will be interesting, but obviously a gun runner uh, uh, goes to the top of the heap. It'll be interesting to see who, who comes out to challenge him. If there's any uh, big-time horses in Europe that are going to want to do it, of course, uh, your million-dollar entry fee is not exactly chump change, but it, it'll be interesting uh, to, to look that way. Well, uh, I guess your scene moves over to the big A, as we used to call it uh, now, and... Uh, a race that's uh, the grade one. When I looked at the graded stakes races this week, I'm like, oh, man, they're all at Aqueduct. i got to call Matt. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll kick it off with, with, with the Cigar Mile. Um, this is kind of interesting. I mean, you've got at least four horses here that have won over a million dollars. And then you've got several horses that kind of interesting out of their last race because they were uh, six and seven furlong affairs. But these are horses that showed a really impressive late 
kick, can they kick it onto a mile? And I'm just kind of painted the race with a with a broad brush. Uh, then you know you've got probably one of the most consistent horses in training, and 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 sharp Azteca, who we know can win at a mile, has won five of eight starts at the distance. So uh, you know what, what, what do you? What comes to mind with, with uh, what I just painted the picture with in the Cigar Mile? I have to be honest with you. I, I've, I've loved Sharp Azteca since he was a three-year-old. I, I think he is one of the most talented horses that we have in training. The problem is wh- whether you love the trainer or you hate the trainer, whatever your opinion is of Jorge Navarro, I don't think Sharp Azteca is going to get the credit at the end of the day that he necessarily deserves because certain horses are able to do certain things and others aren't. I think Sharp Aztec is one of the best horses that we have in training. He was just in a difficult spot in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile where two turns, probably not ideal. He's capable of doing it, but a one-turn mile, this seems like that's what his game is. Also worth noting, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, that was the weekend where it felt like inside, you know, we talked about it at the top, yeah. probably not where you wanted to be. Battle of Midway comes off, swinging for home. He pushes this horse down toward the two or three path and ultimately down to the one or two path. Probably not the best part of the racetrack, but he's as game as they come. The problem that I have is, and again, as a fanboy of this horse, there's a part of me, how many times can I give him the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, you know what, it was the racetrack or it was X, Y, and Z, circumstance, circumstance. He's rock solid. I think he's going to run his race on Saturday. But at what's likely to be in that two-to-one range, I'm not sure that I want to bet him. I think he's a very likely win candidate, but he, he's just not the kind of horse for me on top. I, I'll be using him in multi-race bets. I won't be picking him on top, though. Well, uh, you know, we know that Mind Your Biscuits can run uh, very fast and, and uh, does well at shorter distance coming from off the pace. Uh, the Breeders' Cup sprint was pretty impressive to come from 10th at the half mile and only missed by three links in that race uh, and still record a 104 buyer. Uh, the horse has never won at a mile, Matt. Do you, do you think that this horse can make the difference? Yeah, i got to be honest, in my heart of hearts, I think the mile is going to be doable, but at the same time, that little trepidation about whether or not he's going to actually be able to do it at eight furlongs, it's enough for me to take him out of the top spot. But I agree with you 100%, John. I thought the Breeders' Cup sprint was a fantastic effort. If you believe the time form U.S. sort of pace ratings, not a lot of speed early on. And I know Roy H. and Imperial Hint, they were both close early on. You had Mind Your Biscuits make that big move. I know he's on the best part of the racetrack toward the outside, but um, there, there is that little hang-up in me that says, I, I'm not entirely sure, and nobody's sure. I mean, he's only run at the mile distance one time in his career, and it was before he was the Mind Your Biscuits that we know. I think he's a very, very likely sort of horse to, to use if you're playing any sort of an exotic, but on top, considering I think he's going to be the third or fourth choice, I just think he's going to be a little bit of an underlay. I'm going to be against him on top anyway. All right. Then I want to know who Matt Bernier is putting on top. i got to be honest. This is one where I'm going on a little bit of a limb here. You look at the pace just at face value. It looks like you're going to have a pretty good barn burner up front. You're going to have Sharp Azteca. You're going to have Seymour Dini that wants to go. I've been of the opinion more and more as time goes on, the East Coast turf horses are better than the West Coast turf horses. And the West Coast dirt horses are better than the East Coast dirt horses. I think Americanized is the speed of the speed in the cigar mile. 
Simon Callahan, I, I, I think his entire operation over the past 12, 15 months have taken a step forward. I thought his run in the Damascus was really, really strong. 125 time form U.S. rating. That's one of the co-highest in the entire field. The 120, the 102 buyer. I think that puts him right in play. There's a part of me that wonders if Americanized and Bejarano, they go to the front, sharp Azteca, they think he and Javier, we can sit just off and we'll take advantage at some point. If they let Americanized go out on the front end, I think he's very, very dangerous on the front. West Coast speed is deadly. Again, not the super strong opinion because I think any one of six horses can win this race, but I'm going to go with Americanized. Well, uh, you know, I'll be rooting for him just because uh, Rafael Bayorano uh, became a friend of mine when he started his early days in the Cincinnati area. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your life. And it's not that often you see him riding at Aqueduct. So obviously he's been on top of this horse for its last two starts. A little bit shorter than a mile. Uh, Has uh, run the mile distance once and uh, did finish uh, uh, second. Uh, But... uh, It'll be interesting to see if he is the speed and the speed, and if he can hold on. I'll be pulling for him. Of course, uh, you know, one horse that would probably be remiss if we didn't mention him would be Practical Joke, who's a, another solid runner, but just has never won a race at Aqueduct because he's never started at Aqueduct. Yeah, he's got a giant chance in here, John. If you get the honest pace that it looks like you're going to, and again, my theory, and my hope anyway, is that it doesn't necessarily play out the way that most of us are expecting it to. Practical joke, he's unbeaten going one turn. He's five for five. All of his losses have come going two turns. This is what he wants to do. I have to be honest. I know it's the nature of the beast. It's a shame that he's going to be retired before his four-year-old campaign, because he would be a prime contender in the Met Mile. It is what it is. Hopefully, he goes out on a winning note. And I, I say, hopefully, if my horse doesn't win, I hope a horse like Practical Joke goes on with it. But at the same time, I, I made no bones about it. I love Sharpez Tekka. I think he's as honest as they come. It, it's a fascinating race. Should be a fun betting race as well. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're lucky to have Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum with us. Hope you guys go online and watch him and Dan Illman on a regular basis. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, pay some bills, and we come back, try to attack a couple more races on the solid carded aqueduct on Saturday. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. And, uh, Matt, I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, Saratoga, Belmont, Aqueduct, they're kind of your stomping grounds for the most part, uh, being a guy from, I believe, West Springfield, Um in Massachusetts, uh, what uh, you know, like like what what's it a day day in the life of Matt Bernier? I mean, do, do, do you just absorb this stuff all day and get ready because you're going to be on air? Or when do you get a break? Uh, you know, like where do you go to do your filming? Just kind of paint a day after you get up and have your first cup of coffee. Well, we've got we've got a studio here in the Racing Form office that will go in. We'll record everything. But I've got to be honest, just because. I'm based here in New York City. I, I'm really not that locked into New York on a day-to-day basis. I'll leave that to Mike Beer, the Naira analyst that we've got here. But uh, for me, it's one of those things, and, and I know it's very, very early on in the meet, but we get into the, the, the winter months. Obviously, Gulfstream becomes prominent. I always love Southern California. It's, just, it's always been the, the circuit that I've been most comfortable with, simply because with New York, it, to me, the transition between Aqueduct and Belmont is enormous. And obviously, Belmont and Saratoga is enormous. Of the three, Belmont would be my preferred racetrack that we would run at, but I understand that's just how things work. So I pay attention to Southern California, mostly on my side of things, if I'm just on my own play day to day. But I, and this is kind of what I was touching on at the top, that I've recently, and I know they've only run twice, I'm, I'm fascinated by the racing at Tampa Bay Downs, and I'm, I'm going to be very anxious to keep an eye on that as we continue on through the winter months, I'm going down there with my family in January for a little bit of a vacation. Good. So I kind of feel, I feel like if, if everybody else is down there relying on me, I better have a pretty good idea what's going on with the racetrack. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, I really like Tampa Bay Downs. I got a couple brothers that live nearby and uh, it just, it, it's very quaint. Uh, it's very nice. I love their turf course and I love the fact that they've, fill their fields and it's one of the more bettable places to go in north america to be honest you're gonna you're gonna have full fields each and every time and you know what okay so maybe you don't have a stakes race every day like you do at saratoga or every three days like you do at gulfstream but you mentioned that you're gonna have full fields dirt turf route sprint doesn't matter uh anybody that's paying attention right now i would throw it out there if you're getting ready for the friday card at tampa the Dirt sprints, if you're not on the lead at the quarter-mile pole, you're in deep water. Speed has been holding down there, and we'll find out if it continues that way. But something to kind of throw in the back of your, from the back of your toolbox. I appreciate your input. Well, I, I know you're not a stranger to an actual betting window, but with your position at the Daily Racing Forum, are you allowed to play in tournaments? Um, that, that's a bit of a gray area. I can't play in anything that we necessarily own. So DRF tournaments... Can't play in any of that kind of stuff, but if there's an event at a racetrack, I can go out there. I played at Aqueduct two weeks ago, had some fun, finished, I don't know, 26th out of 130, whatever it was, took a shot, didn't work out. But uh, I have opportunities, and, um, you know, not necessarily as many as I would like, but 
I, I look, I, I am far from the person that should be crying about a situation that I'm in. I feel like the tournament scene and everything that we did with the TV show, that, that, that's my day in and day out prize. All right. We're talking with Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to go to the, the Remsen, a race that was first run back in 1904. And I'm not sure what age you are, but there's horses uh, that have won this race by the name of Carryback, uh, Northern Dancer, uh, moving towards uh, a Pleasant Colony, uh, what? Uh, go for gin another derby winner i mean there's been some really nice horses in modern days uh, to honor and serve and honor code uh it's a race for two-year-olds and it's a stretch out race it's a mile and an eighth you know and uh these guys haven't tackled this distance but it's the next step and those names that i just dropped will tell you that some great horses have come out of this race because they can go a route of ground and uh this is a, uh, a two-turn race at Aqueduct. Am I correct on that, Matt? Yeah, two-turn mile and an eighth. And just for the record, if anybody's curious, I'll let you do the math. I was born 1989. So I didn't get to see many of those horses, but I, I kind of look at it and say, mile and an eighth, two turns. I want a horse that I think is going to be able to excel at the distance. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. I don't think it's a giant limb, but the number eight is a horse called Vouch for Arno Delacour. And you look at the pedigree at face value and you go, yes, it's true, going nine furlongs. It doesn't seem to fit. They paid a hefty penny for this horse, $230,000. Lyle Stables, Three Chimneys Farm, debuted morning line 15 to 1, bet down to even money. Went out there, went right to the front. I know he drew the inside easy enough against the six-horse field. He did it the right way. He's got these big white legs. You're going to be able to see them from a mile away. From the eight <laughs> post, I'm not entirely sure that you're going to be able to make the front there, but he should be forwardly placed. And I look at a couple things, and again, the yes, it's true. I understand at face value, it's going to be a little bit of a concern. Keep in the back of your mind, Vouch is a full brother to Calamity Kate. Calamity Kate won the Delaware Oaks at a mile and a 16th second in the grade one cotillion at a mile and an eighth. I say now the grade one cotillion at the time may have been grade two, but and he, and she was second in the Demoiselle as a two-year-old. So to me, Vouch, Delacour does not ship to New York unless he thinks he's in good position. Uh, I will give the number eight Vouch a shot in the Remsen. Yeah, and the horse has been training great down at down at Fairhill. I'd have to say the horse with the uh, target on its back uh, is obviously uh, Avery Island, who has uh, really blossomed uh, once it started to go in route races. I think Avery Island's a major player in here. I picked him second. I, I, I like everything that he's done. You stretch him out. He looks like the kind of horse that distance is only going to be his friend. You look at the pedigree just at face value, street sense, AP and mare on the bottom. Distance is only going to be positive for him. Uh, I have no knocks against this horse. He's a little bit goofy, a little bit green still, but I think Avery Island's legit. Well, you're going to have a lot of green horses in here because seven of them are coming out of maiden races. Well, uh, let's look at the ladies' side of this, going a mile and eighth. Again, uh, you know, stretching out. You mentioned the Demoiselle. You know, uh, this is a, a, a distance challenge for, for these two-year-olds. It looks to me like the two that kind of pop to the top are uh, Daisy and Wonder Godot, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I, I look, I, I think Daisy is very logical in here. I like both of her lifetime starts. I don't think the distance is going to be any sort of an issue for her. Wonder Godot is the kind of horse that you go back two starts up at Woodbine, the synthetic surface, it's anybody's guess how it translates. But her run in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, I thought she had some legitimate trouble. 
to me anyway, if you're just looking at it from a betting proposition, I think she's going to be an underlay. I believe she's 2-1 to one on the morning line. I think she's going to be right in that vicinity. I, to me, that's just too short. Again, it goes back to the idea at a mile and an eighth with these two-year-olds late in their two-year-old year. I want a horse that I think the distance is going to be their friend. I'm going to go with the number five Indy Union for Jeremiah Engelhart, Jose Ortiz. To me, that most recent run at Belmont going a mile, it was her first run over fast dirt. I, I thought she ran just fine. She's not the sexiest thing on paper. And even when you watch her, she just kind of grinds away. I would rather have a horse that grinds away and I think can get a mile on an eighth as opposed to some sort of horse that looks brilliant going shorter. I'm going to go with the five Indy Union. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, Matt Bernier, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Uh, wish you uh, nothing but the best. Say hi to Dan Illman uh, for me when you see him next, which probably won't be very long. The weekend's closing in. I uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best in the days ahead. I appreciate it, John. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk soon. All right. Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. Barry Pearl giving you all a free invitation to Jockeys and Jeans this Friday at Phasig Tipton. And uh, it, it's going to be a, a great event. If you can make it, make it. The weather's great in the central part of the country right now. Well, uh, for, uh, for, for Barry and Matt and uh, my producer, Matt Widener, uh, I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks so much for being loyal listeners and remember when you do go to the races bet with your head not over it thanks for listening to winning ponies with john Engelhart. we know the information from today's show will help you at the next post keep listening for more next thursday at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific on the voice america sports network